do the intro and shut up. What, the song? Hold on. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy? Are you going to bark all day, little doggy? This is a tasty burger. I am just a figment of your imagination. Here's Johnny. You are a sad, strange little man. These guys will let it. Don't fail me again. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Popcorn Bucket Podcast with Ben and Rob. This is a regular look at the wonderful world of films, film franchises and film nonsense. This is a franchise fatigue episode in which we take a franchise and look at the high points, the low points and everything in between to sort the perfect pass of popcorn from the sad stale bits at the bottom of the bucket. This week, the random popcorn maker of film topics has popped out the Kingsman films, which we will discuss with full spoilers from the outset. Yes. Disappointed you didn't go Kingsman. But then the Rob thing, you can't fit that in anywhere. Oh, Kingsman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, Kingsman, three films. Released between 2015 and 2021. Indeed. Starting with Kingsman, The Secret Service. Who is it directed by and who's it got in it, mate? Well, it's directed by Matthew Vaughan. Uh, screenplay by Jane Goldman and Matthew Vaughan. Based on The Secret Service by Mark Miller and Dave Gibbons. Starring Colin Firth, Samuel L. Jackson, Mark Strong, Taron Egerton and Michael Caine. A spy organisation recruits a promising street kid into the agency's training programme while a global threat emerges from a twisted tech genius. We've spoken many times before about your love of James Bond, so this should be right up your street, or you might be mortally offended because it's kind of sending stuff up. It's like a grown-up Austin Powers. Yeah, I'm not I'm not mortally offended, because the thing is, when Bond came out, I mean, it started the whole sort of, like, popular world-saving spy thing. So I enjoy pastiches and satires and all that stuff i even quite like the austin powers films up to a point yeah no i like it i mean i mean obviously it has some of the some of the kind of great trappings of bond it has the gadgets it has you know the 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 espionage the the kind of the the looking good in a suit you know all of that kingsman is an interesting one because i can i can understand why it, it like you look at it and you can understand why it got popular because it feels different it because it 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 has it has a weird sort of a weird tone throughout it feels very very british um more so than i think bond which is a um almost like a british tradition uh, tradition uh, a sort tradition. of national treasure yeah in a way i'm impressed that mark hamill can do a really good british accent yes yeah uh which, which is cool yeah, it's I, very well, well cast Oh yeah, and and that's the thing. You, I was really disappointed that Jack Davenport didn't last very long. Yeah, yeah. Because I thought I li- he, he was great. I like the uh, the introduction. Uh, uh, well, I, I even like the way sort of the, the rocks bounce out into the titles and the you know director by and stuff. See, I wasn't I wasn't sure about that. I think it's a little bit childish. The very first time I saw it, I remember thinking, "Ugh!" But ever since then, I sort of find quite charming. I, I, but I think that's the sort of point of the whole thing that it is portraying it as sort of, uh, sort of like, with a cavalier attitude, because that's the thing. You actually have a fairly decent discussion about terrorism and extremism in just that scene that we go into after the, the bouncing rubble credits. Well, oh, just know? before that, can we shout out the Marv production logo at the beginning? I like that one. Uh, the video game. Yeah. Yeah, it is good. Yeah, and Money for Nothing. You, you can't beat yes. that. Yeah. Oh, what an intro. I mean, it's a good song anyway, but like that intro, instantly iconic. Yeah, always fun for it to be used. It's got a good use of music, actually. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think the whole franchise has. 
Mm. But yeah, I, and the more I kind of look at it now, I think it is it is absolutely a kind of like an ironic movie, kind of on the same sort of level in terms of parody and everything like Austin Powers, because I've seen a lot of people kind of misunderstand it. I don't know in your research if you came across the Guardian article. I did not. Which called it the most conservative, with a big C, uh, action movie ever, which I think it is the complete opposite, actually. But I think it was because, spoilers, uh, of the, the pomp and circumstance scene near the end of the movie, lots of sort of liberal politicians get it as well. And so that was that was their argument that it was oh, right. kind of a... Okay. Yeah, yeah, which is dumb because yeah, this, yeah, is, yeah. this is clearly about class. Like, just in general, it's it's a class thing. And, and class not defining whether you're a gentleman or not. Yes. Yeah, it's actions, not words. Yeah. So I I think that it is... It is strange that some people have kind of got the wrong end of a completely unrelated stick because I think Kingsman is actually pretty cutting about the upper classes. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's, there's general, a bit where Colin Firth says about you know what their issues have been that they you know refuse to adapt. Yeah, well, he calls Michael Caine a snob, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it is. It is interesting that uh, that there are people who have sort of taken it as that sort of oh well you know, the upper class reign supreme. And it's, it's nothing to do with that. I, I really like this movie. I have a couple of problems with it. But, but like, I actually, in general, I really like it. And I think that it has some really, really great character stuff going on in there. And I think that, I mean, Colin Firth is awesome. Yes. As, yeah. as, like, a, as an action hero, he completely works. Because you probably would... If if you were that way inclined, you probably would try and start a fight with someone like Colin Firth, because he doesn't oh, look like much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So not but, yes, as in I, I would, but I know what you mean. <laughs> yes, I would. Where is he? But you know that's that's cool, and I I like the fact that sort of Eggsy's sort of upbringing and everything. It's not like they're they're hoisting him from his poor life or whatever. It's just that he has the things that would make an excellent. Kingsman agent. Yes. Yeah. Other than just, oh, we owed his dad a favor. I I really like that. So I uh, and Taron Egerton, I think, is really good as well. He should be in more stuff. Yeah, I think I think he's probably gonna be like one of these actors that in sort of ten years we're saying about how you know he's one of the best of his generation. I think I think he's yeah, really good in this and lots of other things he's been in as well. Yeah, we played Elton John well, didn't we? Hmm. In two films. Sing is the other one. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I guess. Well, I don't know. I don't know if that was your... He's a gorilla in that, and he sings yeah. I'm Still Standing, doesn't he? He does, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know about cartoon gorillas. Jack well, Davenport, then, is brilliant at the beginning. As you say, you know, you could have happily had the film about him, or, you know, as a in, a, in another sort of universe, he could have been a James Bond-type character. Mm. And I like that whole, the, you know, the confidence in which he sort of breaks into that ski lodge and rescues Mark Hamill. Um, drinks whiskey, which I'm doing at the moment, in honour of the films. Um, and he's sort of really calm and, you know, takes down all the henchmen. And then he's uh, horribly sliced in half. How many people get to drink that whiskey? Three. I think it's three, yeah. Yeah. Well, two, I, really. I like. Yes, Gazelle is an interesting character. Do you, how much of your research have you done to that? None, other than she's got the legs like Oscar Pistorius, but 
Did, shop. did you know that when this film was in sort of development, they approached Oscar Sturges or his agent and asked if he would sort of be interested in uh, in this and if he could convincingly play a killer? <laughs> oh God! Oh, I saw God. that a few years ago on an episode of The Last Leg, which is yeah. Holy Christ! Mm. Yes, no, it's, it's Sophia Patella, isn't it? Playing Giselle, and, yeah, and she, yeah, yeah. She, Pretty good. I like her in this. I, I can't forgive her what for what she it, what she did to the mummy, but that wasn't really her fault. That was everyone involved in that movie. In that opening scene, you've got uh, Samuel Jackson's character saying that he has no stomach for violence, and I love the fact that they carried that out throughout the whole film. Yeah, well, this is this is actually Samuel Jackson doing some acting uh, rather than just being Samuel Jackson, which is which is cool. And Apparently I, and it's I, because he wanted to be in a Bond film and sort of accepted he never would, so that you know he's playing almost one of the great Bond villains. Yeah, well, and he's a speech impediment as well, which is a very Bond villain esque thing to have a bit of a lisp. Yeah, instead of just being Samuel Jackson and badass, I like the fact that you know yeah he's bad, but in a very very kind of yeah. And as I said, having no stomach for violence, able to instigate the whole thing, but not being able to see it through himself. I think what sort of sets this apart from kind of in terms of the villain from like other those sort of James Bond films is he kind of yeah has a point. Yeah, he totally does, but it's just his methodology is yeah, yeah. is horrible, obviously. But and the thing is with with his whole plan with the free sim cards and everything in order to get people to go violent to sort of kill themselves and blah blah blah. It's it's kind of it's the same basic plan as the purge. Get the lower classes yeah. to sort of kill each other, and then the elite remain. But as I think it's Eggsy pointed out, that he gets to choose who the elites are, and you know, in that sort of surviving thing, whether they're in bunkers, and you know, the fact that they've got bunkers in the first place, and yeah, and he it, it, he does have an absolute point when it comes to sort of global warming and things like that. The humans are the problem, and if you get rid of most of the humans, you are going to solve the problem. But uh, yeah, we can't really do that. At least not morally, but he doesn't care about that. I tell you what, the one thing I really like is him and Colin Firth having dinner. Yes. The McDonald's thing I thought was really, really good. And I like the fact that Colin Firth doesn't turn his nose up at it or act surprised or whatever. Well, he's, he's a gentleman. Like, yeah, I'll have the Big Mac. And then, obviously, his line at the door, it was a very happy meal. Yeah. That's perfect. That's perfect. The artwork in the the, the pictures of the wall is a metaphor, which really happened. But a lot of the um, the artwork in the background of that was also used in Kickass, which also starred Mark Strong. Yes, yeah, so I was wondering. I was wondering why he had that sort of red revolver painting if he doesn't like violence. I, I don't know. I vaguely remember reading somewhere that he's actually from Matthew Vaughan's collection. That wouldn't shock me. And that's why it was in Kickass. So mm. obviously, yeah. There's some interesting points that are raised. I like um, when Samuel L. Jackson sort of lists, you know, when he's trying to work out who Colin Firth works for and, um, is, you know, lists the CIA, MI6, the KGB, and then says, or the Chinese secret police, it's scary that we don't know what, something about that we don't, you know, there's no name for the Chinese secret police. That's secrecy. Yeah, it's, it's a good point. I think Valentine, Valentine, unfortunately, he does have some good points and he is quite likeable, It's except that, you know, he he wants bad stuff done. Well, should we talk about Kingsman as an organisation? Go on. Because I, I quite like um, 
in in, in the way you know we, we mentioned um before we talked about um Percy Jackson mm. uh, almost a year ago now bloody hell about I, I and it's the same with uh, sort of Men in Black. I like all that stuff where it's kind of hidden in plain sight, or mm. you know, it's 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 like like our stuff, but sort of futuristic, or like our stuff, but magical, or like our stuff, but gadgets. Yes. Um, so I, I like how I like all the um, iconography. I like you know that they use umbre- the main weapon is an umbrella. I like the sort of the dress, the the Oxford's not brogues. So all those sort of James Bond gadgets that just fits into kind of like a gentleman's attire. Yes. Um, I like I like all the. Um, like the hidden, uh, the hidden mansion. How it's all sort of very British with the tube and the taxi that sort of converts and stuff. I, I, I love all that. I think it's. I think it sort of has a. I guess has a universe. And it really sticks to it. Yeah. Well, the thing I I really like uh, that Eggsy tries to steal one of the lighters. Yes. <laughs> and 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 so how put, put it back without well, even, also, without even looking at it. Yeah, I also like the knife in the shoe. That's the classic Bond thing. Yeah. 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 Uh, Rosa Klebb had that in from rush with love okay the second bond film so you know they they established that a while ago but yeah always always a fan of the blade in the shoe the uh the knife tip boot it's such a nasty weapon when you think about it yeah so that's always good and yes it, it does seem like one of those um the the tube that they actually take it does seem like one of those things you put like paper in yeah so oh, yeah i wonder if it's meant to look like that yeah i think so i think so yeah, the actual organization and, and the, 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 you know, the, the, the fact that they've been behind a lot of stuff and they just operate out of this tailors is, is great. It's really fun. You know, someone, someone being brought into an organization like Bond or Men in Black or something like that. I will always have time for that. Always. And I like so, how they anyway. are, so like, they are, you know, totally secret. I, I like um, Harry Hart, Colin Firth's um, office, sort of the front page of The Sun from the day after he sort of averted crises because no one ever knows about them. Yeah, I thought that was a really, really nice character touch. Quite why it's the sun, though. He could have picked any paper. Well, it's because it's Fox, but, you know, it should have been a paper actually worth reading. Yeah, yeah, don't buy the sun. Don't buy the sun. Don't buy the sun. But, yeah, the, the actual sort of the headlines and everything and, and the fact that he remembers exactly which one is which and, you know, whatever is great. It's a really nice touch. And, uh, and also, like, he's got... The stuffed dog, Mr. Pickle. The the scene in the church as well, set set to uh, Freebird. I mean, that was a that was a huge surprise, wasn't mm. it? Like I yeah. first when I first saw that, and and you have to be careful with usage of Freebird because it is one of the most overplayed songs. I love it still, but it it goes on forever. It's like a joke, calling out for it at gigs. They use that so well. In this, and the yeah. fact that it keeps going, on. like you know, when they're on the, the eighth guitar solo, he's still kicking ass. <laughs> and obviously, <laughs> I love, the, I love the fact that they they set up that all the people in this church are just the worst. I love his line as well to the woman that he, he's trying to make his excuses to leave. Remember what yeah. he says? Uh, something about how he was was it a Catholic whore, and he's going to go back to his <laughs> his black Jewish boyfriend who works in a military abortion clinic. Hail Satan and good day to you, madam. <laughs> yeah, so so that that whole thing and it, it, it's it's inventive. It's ridiculously violent. You know, it, Colin Firth is is every bit the action hero, even though obviously he's doing bad stuff. Apparently, he did about eighty percent of his own stunts. Uh, that doesn't that doesn't shock me because the the camera's right up close a lot of the time. And Matthew Vaughan, 
he is he's so good i mean he his camera never sits still for too long like he knows when to sort of slow it down and everything but with the fights he really lets his imagination run riot and you mm. get some really dynamic shots and really kind of i i like i like that he often has cameras mounted to things as you go around so you know you'll have you'll have like uh the the glasses point of view for instance of you know people getting stabbed and shot and whatever and then in 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 later movies you'll have the the sort of almost a camera mounted to a sword yeah yeah, yeah. And, and and things like that so well i think in, in that scene there's something mounted to a knife isn't there so sort of it, it sort of goes in and out a few times yeah thing. yeah and then it, we said we said cool. when we talked when we did um when we, when we talked about uh, x-men first class about how he always has like interesting transition shots and different camera angles that sort of really sets him aside from the rest of the films mm, definitely yeah and that's that's on display in kingsman i uh and some of the visuals in this are great there's some of the cgi is a little ropey but you can sort of forgive it for that like it it's it's never going to be a huge american production with all the millions upon millions of dollars spent on cgi is it it's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but uh, the the score is pretty good. Not just the not just the soundtrack, but the um, yeah, the sort of the instrumental score, particularly the parachute scene, where they're sort of yes. when it's plunging to earth, it's building and building and building. Yeah, and I think that's a that's a really really well done sequence as well. Just everything about it is really well done. I like Roxy as a character. I thought she was pretty good. It's a bit of a shame that it kind of does the at the end of the film when you've got it's it's only um, Exy, Roxy, and Merlin who can. You know, save the world. That she is the agent. She graduated. Exy didn't, and she's the one that's kind of up in the air, safe out of the way. Yeah, which is yeah, well, an I irritating mean, trope in films. It, it, it was in a Paw Patrol of, movie. <laughs> it kind of has to be said that Mark Miller, as a comic book writer, he's got some very, very backwards ideas about women and different races, and often it comes really? through. Yeah, okay. yeah, he, yeah, he's he's a bit of a dickhead. Um, he's he's a good ideas man, yeah. But but a lot of his kind of things that it, a lot of his comic books um, have just like nasty twists for the sake of it, and uh, and uh, you know I won't go into it. I'm sure there are people who are much much more informed on the whole thing. But I've read the Secret Service and I've read the first Kickass, and they were definitely wise to take some of the nastier things out. Of the movies, I remember something in Kickass Two that I vaguely remember from the comic as well. That yeah, it was uh, pretty nasty. Yeah, and and I think because I don't, Matthew Vaughan didn't do Kickass Two, did he? No. I think Matthew Vaughan and Jane Goldman keep it on the straight and narrow. They know what to keep and what to what to kind of get rid of. And I think that's why Kickass Two kind of feels way more offensive and and shitty. Yeah. Because it's kind of sticking more closely to the comic book, <laughs> so um, so yeah, and I, I think unfortunately some of those prejudices and and things are kind of baked into the story, and it would be hard to extricate them without kind of whatever. So so Roxy being kind of just oh we're literally going to send her to space for a bit um, is kind of a thing. I also found it very very strange that she she got the code name of Lancelot right. Because yes. that's what it, that's what it was for, and yet on her spacesuit she has Roxy and as a name tag. Hmm. Point in that, and they call her Roxy on the comms and everything. Very rarely is she referred to as Lancelot. I thought that was the whole point. Yeah, that's true. 
I, I and and as I said before, like these things don't often kind of thing. But the fact that she had a bespoke spacesuit with a Roxy name tag, I was kind of like, that doesn't seem very secretive. So yeah, it is. It is a bit of a shame because I, I'd like to have seen her be every bit as capable. That that would have been that would have been better. I mean, even though she does best exe in the actual entrance exam and, and all the all the different tests it, it there's always the feeling that exe is the true winner because obviously he gets to do it without passing all their tests well he did pass all the tests he just didn't pass that last one he just didn't want to shoot his dog yeah but that's that's a failed test i'd cap my dog any day of the week oh don't listen to him pod dog <laughs> she was behind me at the moment. No, of course I wouldn't. I I would have the same the same problem, and there would be a lot more breaking down, falling to my knees, and crying. <laughs> and they'd be like, "Okay, look, this is embarrassing. Now, just remove yourself from the premises and take the fucking dog with you." So yeah, it it is it is weird. I and I I love the actual sort of like final final bit in the sort of base. Uh, yes, that, that is pure Bond, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. The rock walls and the, and the sort yeah. of the, the floors and everything going round and, you know, exit killing things. I hate the anal sex joke. Oh, I was going to wait. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you were going to wait. Well, it just, it just reminded me. Okay, no, no, no. Okay, so, so the head's blowing up. Pomp and circumstance. I think that's brilliant. Apparently, they went to like three or four different effects people to get it just right. That initially it was like really gory and almost like scanners level. But mm. I love the fact it's almost like fireworks and, and to that music, it's, it's worked so well. Well, here's the thing. So it's a very famous piece of music, and I knew it was used for graduations in the US. Pleb that I am, I also knew that it was used as Randy Savage's entrance music in WWF back in the day. The Macho Man came out to that. But I found out which adds the whole adds to the whole ironic thing and like that's why it's so over the top with its violence and sexuality is pomp and circumstance was a an ironic song it was written it was written as like a condemnation of war when it came even though it's been used straight faced for the longest time its actual origins are uh, ironic there's a great article long form article by film crit hulk that's his alias mm, yeah. name. i'm familiar with film crit hulk yeah well, the audience might not be and he did he did a whole piece about kingsman and sort of like irony and whatever and he also pointed out that money for nothing is is an ironic choice because of of the the sort of point of view of of the singer is, is meant to be ironic and he pointed out as well that Matthew Vaughan is actually the bastard son of an aristocrat. So, some, so this film being about sort of class and being incredibly critical of the ruling elite and the upper classes in general, it kind of all makes sense when sort of taken together like that. You know, I mean, it has kick-ass action and fun stuff as well. That's a different but, film. <laughs> but, you know, I, I like the fact that maybe that's what people sort of responded to without kind of realizing the fact that it has got quite a lot to say about different things like that. Kind of it's, it's not just, it's giving us our blockbuster cake as well, but it's giving us some food for thought also for me, mix my culinary metaphors. I think, yeah, I do think it has quite a lot of layers. I like, as I said at the beginning, I, I like how Simon L. Jackson has no stomach of violence throughout it. Um, I like how when he finally bites the bullet, he um, gets impaled on um, Gazelle's uh, leg. 
Yeah, yeah. prosthetic. Um, I like how he sort of looks down and sees the blood and sort of throws oh, it. Because he really has no stomach and fight. Yes. Yeah, he wasn't lying about that. That's for sure. But, and yeah, uh, the last joke is kind of, is... I sort of remember it worse than it actually is, though, I found this time. I mean, I, whether it was because I, I did watch it on um, on Disney+, Plus, so I was wondering whether it was kind of edited out. I don't think... No, I, no I don't think so. I think the whole the whole thing, and I'm spelling whole with a W, is that, yeah, she says, if you save the world, we can do it in the asshole. That's an actual line from the movie. Yes, um, I've seen the film. Yeah, just again to people. I'm not there just are, talking to you. Mark. There are no listeners. Yes, you are. <laughs> I've just been lying to you about the stats. So anyway, people who aren't Rob, yeah, if you haven't seen the movie or you saw it a long time ago, I'm sure you actually probably remember this bit. But uh, but yeah, so she promises Eggsy anal sex if he saves the world, and he does save the world. So then he goes to her prison cell, and uh, Merlin gives him the code, uh, the code numerically, but you know it has letters as well that actually spells out anal. Does it? The two six, I don't know the rest. Okay, it's like two five two six something. But yeah, if if you look at numeric keyboard, that's how you type out anal. But it's super weird how how you end on that joke. And you know, it's a very Bond thing to to, to he said celebrate that, that it was it was yeah, almost sort of taking the sort of that Bond thing. You know, the um, is it Moonraker with the, the bit about attempting reentry? Yes, it is. It's almost that taken to the nth degree. Yeah, and and you know you can you can be as ironic as fuck or lampshader or whatever, but it, it still it still still doesn't sit right. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although I would say the sort of um, later developments mean it doesn't seem quite as graphic. No, but uh, but I like the fact that Matthew Vaughan clearly has fun with it as well because you have that scene and the film is then dedicated to his mom, like after that joke. Yeah, weird. But then they do have a post-credit scene, which is just him returning to the local pub. I like that bit. Yeah, I, yeah. I like um, the. Oh, we didn't talk about the uh, the, the bar fight. The, the, the initial with Colin Firth and the manners maketh man. Yeah, he's he's lucky that he had three things to sort of close in that order. Yes, <laughs> yes, he was. But uh, yeah, no, it's great. I mean, I like the fact that you have a lot of middle-class actors pretending to be working-class as well. All right, son. I'm from the streets. I am. I'm gonna fuck you up. We know Tarn Egerton's from West Wales as well. Yeah. Okay. No, I was mostly talking about his his uh, shitty stepdad's sort of weird posse. But I like then you got that echoed uh, or reflected in the um, in the mid credits with yeah, Exy yeah. doing the same thing. Pod dog. Well, she just worked out what you said about her. Something yeah, it said, not good. Moles. If, if I let you out, I'm literally not letting you back in. Oh, Half of the uh, Popcorn Bucket podcast does not condone animal cruelty. Yeah, Rob does, though. <laughs> yeah, we've got a real moon, I think, going on. There, Yeah, there are some weirdly sort of rough bits about the first Kingsman, but I do like it, and I think it, it does a, uh, a really good job of setting up the universe and having hmm. fun with it. And yeah, Bond, fucking Christ. <laughs> Miles, I don't have much else to say on Kingsman. No, no, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think it was a surprise at the time. Um, but yeah, it was good. I, I enjoyed it. It's a world I sort of happily see more of. Mm. Speaking of which. On to Kingsman 2, 
the golden circle. I was right in the notes. I keep I kept calling the first one the secret circle and this one the golden service. <laughs> so released yeah. in 2017. After the Kingsman's headquarters are destroyed and the world is held hostage, an allied spy organization in the United States is discovered. These two elite secret organizations must band together to defeat a common enemy. It is again directed by Matthew Vaughan, starring Colin Firth, Julianne Moore, Taron Egerton, Mark Strong, Halle Berry, Elton John, Channing Tatum, and Jeff Bridges. Yes. And Pedro so, Pascal. And Pedro Pascal. What do you think of this? I like it. Um, I like it a lot. Um, there are two elements of it I really don't like, and I think they could have taken them both out of the movie. Uh, the first is that Roxy is fridged pretty quickly, and I really didn't like it. I thought it was fairly unnecessary. I think it yes. could have been nice if it was, um, if it was again, it was Eggsy, Roxy, and Merlin saving the world. Yeah. Um, I also hate the entire Glastonbury bit. It could have been removed and it wouldn't have taken anything. Apparently they sort of cut like an hour from the film. And at one point they'd filmed so much they actually asked Matthew Vaughan if he wanted to release a part one and part two. And I really feel, feel he cut the wrong stuff out because the Glastonbury bit is dire. Um, I know, I, I guess we're trying to up the shock value of the joke at the end of the previous film that we were talking about. And it's just horrible. I, 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 I believe the that Tyrant Egerton didn't film that bit, that the girl he's, uh, I guess, trying to seduce husband filmed the up-close bit because I think he was fairly uncomfortable with it. Yeah. Um, those bits aside, we can go back to them because I, I, I vaguely remember from sort of com- previous conversations your feelings on this. Um, I, 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 I th- In some ways, I feel there should have maybe been a two or three films showing the Kingsman working before they took them all away. But I really like the American version. Um Again, sticking with the the sort of aesthetic, the aesthetic and the sort of having a theme and sticking to it. I, I like all the alcohol stuff. I like that their, their headquarters is in a sort of a whiskey distillery shaped like a whiskey bottle. I like that it's kind of big, brash in America. They've got so much more money. They're listed on the stock exchange. All the code names are sort of alcohol drinks. I like all their sort of um, cowboy-related gadgets. Mm. Um, I don't particularly mind the fact that Colin Firth comes back. I, um, you know, I enjoyed Crank too apart and the tagline for that was you know he was dead but he got better so it's a similar thing and it's a silly sort of gadget but then it's a silly film um, yeah again again it's got a villain that's kind of got a point incidentally i saw and i rewatched this in the same day i watched a Tro- trolls world tour that also had a villain that had a point in <laughs> fact you just keep agreeing with villains i think that's more of a kind of look out for you than <laughs> You're right. I'll tell you what, this Adolf Hitler's got some really good ideas. We'll talk um, about him in a bit. <laughs> I, I like, with, with uh, Julianne Moore playing the villain, I, I like her, um, her sort of, I think I've heard of Cambodia, but where she's based, and I like all the sort of the 1950s American Diana Gucci style um, hideout she's got. I thought Elton mm. John was having a blast. Um, yes. I, I like the bit where he winks at the camera. Just you know, I'm having a lot of fun doing this. I, I think it's charming. Yeah, I I liked Elton John in this movie. The robot dogs are called Benny and Jet, which I thought was quite funny. Yes, yeah. It just, I, I thought this was kind of yeah the the, the Roxy thing set off on the wrong foot, like kind of straight yeah. away. Yeah, yeah. Because I I you know I like the fact that that. Eggsy is now with Princess Tildy. Mm. And, yes. and that's right, that it wasn't just a, a kind of a hump and dump. It's weird to me that, yeah, she she kind of 
is his wingman kind of googling all this stuff and sending I, I like that scene. I just thought I that was well. funny. She, she's his guy in the chair. I also yeah. like that the, the, because obviously he's got the glasses and can see what his mates up to. Yeah, and he just starts sort of shouting at, uh, uh, at the, at, king, at the king. Yeah, put yeah. it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's the thing. It, it just it it seemed like a real sh- a real real shame that they just decide to just do away with all of the Kingsmen again. It's just, and I liked Gambon being. Oh yeah, yeah, yes. Oh, we did. Yeah, we did. Sorry, we didn't mention Michael Caine in the previous one. Oh well, um, yeah, he was really good. On on his his uh, death scene, I, I I liked when he sort of reverted to the sort of his almost his <laughs> London accent where he's causing you nasty, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whatever he says. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It sort of suited the character really well. I thought. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I like sorry, that. back to this. Yeah, yeah. So you know, Gambon being being in it was was good as well, um, but. <sighs> Yes, I'd quite like to see a functioning agency rather than whatever. But I suppose, I suppose these things—you never have the sort of working at peak efficiency and then the decline. They always go, okay, we're going to strip it back to basics for the sequel. So yeah, it, it's it's odd. I and I would have Roxy needed more justice yes, for Roxy. Justice for Roxy, yeah, definitely. And I, I think I think that was a very strange decision. Um, and I like the Statesman as as a you know this this kind of secret organization, but it's just the film that kept coming to mind for me with with this movie was Men in Black Two. No. Yes, yes, yes. No, yes, yes. no, 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 no. So Men in Black Two, obviously, a lot of the film is spent getting Kay to remember that he was in the Men in Black. Yes. Lots of this movie is is spent getting Harry to remember that he was Galahad. Have you not seen Fast and Furious? Yeah, I seven, know. I six. Don't know, I don't know why we have to go seven. for the fucking amnesia stuff again. Like, I I get it I because get now it. Neighbors has been cancelled. They have to something has to have amnesia to sort of keep what, it in the news. What's an amazing cultural <laughs> reference that everyone will get. To me, this is this is a textbook hack sequel. I know I I I can't I can't get past it. I can't the the statesman stuff is called. There are things to really really like in this movie, hmm. but it it's I think it goes too silly with the whole thing. Uh, you know the the car the taxi going underwater into a kind of thing. I know that's a Bond thing as well, but you know kind of whatever the robot dogs. The robot, everything. Yeah, she doesn't trust humans, uh, and and so it's dogs, I guess. And it, you know, like the fifties sort of diner and and kind of things like that, just in the middle of Cambodia. I could, I I dug that. That was cool. But the the, the sillier stuff to it was, yeah, just a bit. I don't know. It it just kept it just kept kind of pulling me out of the movie. I was just like, that's a bit too stupid. And I kept thinking, since Eggsy had a bullshit watch that can hack stuff, why didn't he try it with the dogs? Why didn't he try it with anything? He doesn't. And it can hack anything. He yeah, hacks but, the arm. But James Bond does things like that. I know, but... I mean, I guess you could say that because all the Kingsman thing was blown up, it took out all the servers, maybe. I don't know. Well, he hacks oh, the arm. No, yeah. Yes. yeah. So, oh, he does. So yeah. No. Yeah, 
No, I just Poppy's plan. I I like what Ju- Julianne Moore is doing. That sort of bright kind of fifties housewife type deal, but with kind of really really horrific kind of yeah, sort thing. of stepped wide wives. Yeah, uh, American mom type thing. It's it's quite creepy, and you know the the scene where she gets someone to feed Keith Allen into a meat grinder is is horrible, and then makes uh, the guy eat it. I like how it separates the clothes though. That's nice. That was weird. Yeah, I I was wondering that because I was just like, that's just going to be also no, that's not how grinders work. But yes, getting the guy to eat it as some sort of thing. The golden circle being this weird sort of twenty four carat tattoo type thing. Uh, bringing back one of the failed applicants from the first one is actually kind of clever. Well, because he knew a bit about it. I mean, you'd think that they'd wipe the minds of the uh, applicants who didn't get it, like Men in Black, but... Yeah, yeah, so that was all right, but it's just... Uh, yeah, I just... I, I couldn't help but feel it went too far in places and not far enough in, in others. And I think that... Why have I written in my notes, Field Hospitals dash Grimm? <laughs> what happens in the no field hospital? I have no idea. Why have you written that? I don't know. It's after skiing. Before Merlin sings Country Roads, I've written field hospitals. Dash grim. Did you like change the channel accidentally? <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, it's so and there are certain certain things. I think Jeff Bridges as as the sort of is he whiskey? Is he he's champagne? champagne. He champagne. He's got he's got quite a rich name. But yeah, Corby Champ, which is quite cool. Yeah. Sort of, you know, two goes at it. Um, I like his uh, sort of habit of just applying whiskey to everything, sort of rubbing it around his gums <laughs> and, a and a spittoon. I love the whole cowboy thing. Yeah, I, I do like the statesman. Yes, and it is a shame that Channing Tatum doesn't get to do much. He but... was in another film, so yeah. apparently, a lot of the stuff that um, Pedro Pascal ended up doing that Channing Tatum was meant to do. Yeah, well, he was in Logan Lucky. I don't know if you've seen that. I haven't. I've heard it's good, but this oh. Um, I think you're going to talk about had... roads now, aren't you? I am going to talk about country roads. Yeah, okay. right. but please, because this is this is super weird. So it's the third movie of 2017 to feature to feature the song "Take Me Home, Country Roads" by John Denver. The others were Logan Lucky and Alien Covenant. Yeah, really strange. Yeah, Matthew Vaughan said that he um, he was quite surprised because he wrote John Denver into the script two and a half years ago because he thought nobody talks about John Denver anymore. <laughs> yeah, and then it just became ubiquitous. I mean, it was always a fam- famous song, but obviously being used in three movies in the same year, two of which starring Channing Tatum. I do like the way Merlin goes out for the um, you know sing- singing that. I do as well. I I I think that again, it was a shame that like he had to sacrifice himself. But but the he it's a it's a proper fuck you kind of way to go out, and I quite like that. But uh, I don't know it because that's the thing. It just felt like it was it was trying to do the stuff that worked in the first one, but but sort of didn't. As I said, didn't quite know where to amp it up. So you have. That that whole sequence going to Poppyland and and you know all the shooting and and everything, it's not nearly as inventive as the church fight or anything like that. I and the the uh, Charlie is his name, the yeah. the posh one with the robot arm, the sort of grapple thing. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. But again, it's just I felt that it was just kind of doing the same gags. 
and then the bits that were new were kind of dumb. And yeah, Poppy's plan doesn't make any any real sense. She does have a point, and I think I think talking about sort of drugs as a a thing and that sort of weird elitist thing again. Well, only poor poor people and criminals do it, so it's fine. Bruce Greenwood being a dick as the president. Third time he's played president. Yeah. Apparently, he can't be a president because he's born in Canada. Well, there you go. I like Bruce Greenwood. But but you know him him being kind of like real kind of no nonsense about it because I don't I don't understand how Poppy's plan would actually work because if she they would they would find somewhere to take her down why was it why wasn't it just like why was it illegal drugs and not pharmaceuticals in general I mean there's an opioid crisis there are m- many opioid crises crises I don't it just didn't it just it didn't have the sort of impact that. I wanted and and she seemed to just have some bullshit kind of oh okay send all the missiles and blow up all the kingsmen that's done it it seemed too neat and too convenient for me and i like the fact that despite Eggsy's remaining friends are in britain it's still all focused on the u.s president and how he's reacting to the whole thing they're watching fox news but presumably in the uk which you know we get fox news but it's like well, it was made by 20th Century Fox at the time. Yeah, but so I guess but, they put... but what was what was our response to it? What was all the country's response? Because it can't, it, it, drugs are a worldwide problem. It doesn't make any fucking sense. The more I think about it, the more it doesn't. And the, and yeah, and if if the president just held out and just said no, we're not gonna dance to your tune and you know I'm just going to let all these people die then Poppy's plan has failed anyway because she won't have any more customers well that was what he wanted to do that was the president yeah, yeah. No, but that's that's the thing like he could he just through inaction that's a failure state for her plan I, I don't understand why her plan was was a decent plan to begin with I don't know. Presumably, she thought there's no way the president would, um, or anyone would. Also, she says that she's negotiating with the president because the UN is ineffective. So I guess that's why. Therefore, it doesn't matter what the other countries say because she says she's only negotiating with the president. I suppose. I like the fact that the the holding stadium. I think that's what I meant by field hospitals. I think. Well, that's the that's the Millennium Stadium. Was it? Well, it was based on they changed the colours, but yeah, that that whole stadium where they're huh. where they're putting crates of ill people in—that's the Millennium Stadium, the Principality Stadium. Yes, I know, still the Millennium Stadium. <laughs> I did have fun with the Elton John stuff. That that was fun, and I liked. I think he he's actually pretty good at playing pissed off because I think he is pissed off a lot of the time. Um, well, he he was asked to be in the. First one and turned it down, and then saw the first one. Wish he'd been apparently wished he'd been in it, which is why he was in this one so much. And I like the fact that he has to do a lot of stuff in a ridiculous feathery number, kind of just like his outfits are incredible. And and yeah, the uh, him him with uh, Colin Firth and popping up to save him from the dog to Rocket Man, just just popping yeah. into frame. That's really funny. <laughs> that that had me properly laughing, and I like the fact that he gets a variation of the awful anal sex joke. Yes, you you save the world, and I'll give you a backstage pass, and then does the kissy lips. 
yeah, and and Pedro Pascal, he's kind of just. I figured he was just a bit wasted in this. Like he he's fun, and the lasso is kind of interesting, sort of. I love the music at the end where they have this final showdown with him, and yes. the the word up, I guess, sort of countrified version. Yeah, yeah, no, that's cool. But his whole his whole kind of thing, and I like the fact he gets that sort of uh, when he kills all the uh, all the the snow guards. And he, he's really going to town with the with the sort of dual pistols and everything. That's cool. As there are some there are some good action beats in it. It's just way less interesting. It kind of it kind of feels like Kingsman, but without any of the the sort of layers that the first one had. I I, I feel it should have. I, I really like it. I mean, the two bits I mentioned that I dislike. I, I hate the fridging of Roxy. I think that's awful. And the Glastonbury thing is awful. Glastonbury thing. Well, um, in fact, let's talk about that a minute. Because as soon as they said mucous membrane, <laughs> you know, you know, you know where it's where it's going, and yeah, it does. It does feel kind of really icky. I mean, whether whether it's meant to make it, I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's. I think point, I think but... we're meant to go. Oh, but I think we're meant to have some sort of kind of sort of laddish guffaws at it also, and that being used as a plot point with with him. And until these relationship and and uh, I I don't know it just it just doesn't work. Yeah, the Glastonbury thing could have just fucked off. That that would that would have been great. Yeah, it is what it is. I don't know why they had to go to Glastonbury anyway. I mean, I know obviously the plot is that that Charlie's on and off girlfriend is there, but um, why Glastonbury? You could have been the supermarket. Well, I don't know what happens in the supermarkets around you. But... <laughs> oh, yeah. I was, I was, you know, I just made it sort of quicker than going to Glastonbury. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes. Or yes, they it could is. have just just removed that plot entirely. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. So, yeah, I, I, I don't like Kingsman two very much because you still could have had the, um, the sort of Tildy being one of the, the potential victims of the of the drug thing without the whole argument beforehand. Well, it was just some relationship bullshit I wasn't interested in. Yeah. I, I get that he's trying to balance his personal life with his Kingsman life, but then if she got to know him, it's not as if he's been keeping that whole lifestyle secret from her. He met her doing that. So she would know that that's probably part of the job anyway. I, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. But it, it, there are a lot of things that, that, you know, and obviously it doesn't, it's not going to be a hundred percent completely logical and whatever, but I felt that the leaps of logic and the sort of the way that it was contorting itself to get certain plot points or certain kind of scenes that they had in mind was way more noticeable than some of the deft kind of touches that were in the first one. Well, it was nice having uh, Colin Firth back. I, I do feel sorry for the character. Particularly when they sort of restore his memory, because he was better off just thinking as a butterfly man. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it, and and that's why that's that's kind of why it was reminding me of Men in Black too. They have to deneuralize him, and you know, the, the, there's and while Kay doesn't seem particularly happy, he's in the post office and he seems to be okay with the whole thing. Like you Men know, Men in Black Two does it, have a good song at the end, though, unlike this one. <laughs> yes. But you know, it's it's just yeah. I I think he would have been, he'd have been happy as a lepidopterist. So yeah, and I just yeah, I I just I again I found it like the first one, just without 
any kind of real bite. Just a bit shit, really. Which is a shame, considering the the wealth of talent of people involved. I thought it'd be more than this. But if you like a shit film, that's fine too. So, okay, so I've just shout all over this. I mean, you still prefer the original Kingsman to this one. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I prefer the original. I, I like this one. I like the Americanized stuff. Um, is there, a, well, as I mentioned, I, I like the the whiskey aesthetic and how they're, that's, yeah, I guess they're, like the, the, the sort of, the Kingsman is very British. The sort of the whiskey cowboys is very American. Mm. So I wonder if they could sort of do, you know, like a French version. Just run away. They could just they 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 could just sort of like spend every all the films now just sort of, I guess stereotypes. Well, that probably does get you into dangerous kind of <laughs> sort of shaky ground. <laughs> anyway, so instead of a sequel, they did a prequel. Or have you finished on Kingsman Two? Oh, I finished on Kingsman Two. Shit! <laughs> right now, I'm done. <laughs> I'm sorry. That is I very immature. It wouldn't make the highly coveted Rob One Hundred, but I don't mind it. The sequels goes decent. Would the first possibly? It might make the lower end, but then there's quite a lot of uh, films in the lower end. Because mm. every time I sort of see a film and think, "Oh, that's really good," but I like it, but not enough to put it in the top ten. I sort of try and put it on ninety. I've got like ten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's troll. Yeah, who knows what? I think so far I've got eighty films in my one hundred, and about twenty of them are in ninety. Yes, yeah, you're going to have to make some tough choices. It's like the um, American Film Preservation Society, but me. had an Excel sheet. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So anyway, The King's Man. I quite like the title. Originally, it was good. Well, the working title was uh, The Great Game, Kingsman, The Great Game. But yeah, The oh, King's Man, I think. The King's funny. Man works. It does. And who was it directed by? Who was it written by? And who's it got in it, Rob? Do your own research. I'm on Google. Directed by Matthew Vaughan. Not from a screenplay by Matthew Vaughan and Jane Goldman. Goldman. It's uh, the first film he did, I think, since Swordfish, where he's not with Jane Goldman. It's a Carl Gadgetek. Uh, starring uh, Ray Fiennes, Gemma Arterson, Reese Fans, Matthew Good, Tom Hollander, Harris Dickinson, Daniel Brühl, uh, Dimon Honsu, and Charles Dance. Mm. In the early years of the 20th, uh, 20th century, the Kingsman Agency is formed to stand against the cabal plotting a war to wipe out millions. And succeeding, I guess. Yeah, so yeah, this is the first time I'd seen The King's Man. And me. And um, I. And one. <laughs> Truth be told, I still don't know what to make of it. Okay, well that's it for this week. Uh, <laughs> uh, what, what did you think of it first? Let's, let's go to you before I steamroll in with my opinion. When I heard the premise, there's going to be a prequel to Kingsman, I thought, oh, that's cool. I do like seeing Taron Egerton, because they, they said that they would do another one, but, you know, um, you know, happy to see it set up. When it was announced it was in World War One, I, I said, okay. And when I saw the trailer, I was really, I think, I wasn't particularly that keen to see it. Um, I'm sort of put in mind of, there's a Simpsons episode, I guess it's from one of the early seasons, where I can't remember the plot but at the end but says about there's only been like three decent wars and it's star wars and world war ii and i can't remember what the other one was ladies and gentlemen boys and girls contrary to what you've just seen war is neither glamorous nor fun there are no winners only losers there are no good wars with the following exceptions the american revolution world war ii and the star wars trilogy yeah 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 um it that's 
Bart the General, I think. I don't know what... Is that where they... He, he hires the military guy to take on the bully, Nelson? I yeah. Think. Okay, so yeah, it ends with that. So, so spoilers for Inglourious Bastards, that sort of looks at World War Two in a very Tarantino way, and it's not at all historically accurate. And it's, you know, takes ultimately huge liberties with the historical facts. Doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, they didn't have David Bowie in World War Two. Um, and then like the early Call of Duty game was about World War Two, um, before it was about teenagers shouting at each other on the internet. Those sort of th- things, like, I guess you've got, uh, there's been sort of supernatural stories about World War Two, and that is almost acceptable. I th- whereas when it's World War One, I, I always feel a bit, it, I don't know, it feels a bit tasteless, which I know, you know, I guess entertainment based on World War Two, you, you, you could argue it's tasteless, but around World War One, it always seems a bit somehow worse in a way, possibly because you could say that the Second World War was a clear good and evil, whereas the First World War it was almost, again, like quite a class-based thing, that it was sort of the upper classes sending the lower classes to fight for no real reason than people just wanted more land. I know it's much more complicated than that, but mm. it's, it isn't as clear-cut as Allies good, Nazis bad. Yeah. So then when you're, I always feel quite uneasy when they sort of make things that are kind of trite around it. It's, it sort of seems more offensive. I don't know why. I, 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 no, I, I appreciate I, I'm probably not explaining myself. No, 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 no. I, I, I think that's right. I think, I think the fact that you do have, you do have a kind of a more convenient narrative for the second world war or we used to being presented. Yes, possibly. Yeah. Narrative of the second world war. I mean, the fact that I've, I've played, Numerous video games where I reenact the D-Day landings. Yes, but I wouldn't play Battlefield One, which is the tragic no. affair, because it just feels—I don't know. Which I mean, it's all pixels, it's all animated, it's all—you yeah, know—it's it's not it's, real, but it doesn't. It's much nastier, I know. And 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 the thing is, with World War One, it a lot of it was just like, well, we'll clog their rivers with our dead. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. And and yeah, so so it it does it does have that sort of sort of narrative. I mean, the the thing, and you're the more of a historian than I am, but the thing that I understand about World War Two was trying to stop something. World War One is just because kind of basically everyone was itching for a fight, and everyone yeah, wanted yeah, to, yeah. You know, like just just kind of you know the countries were getting bigger and more prosperous, and they were just like, I tell you what, getting fucking antsy for a war. Let's- that said. Blackadder Goes Forth is obviously set in World War One, and that's one of the greatest comedies, certainly with the greatest finale ever. Yes. And that is yes. lampooning you know, the First World War. There was satire that came out of the First World War. So when I saw the trailer and heard the premise, I was kind of wary of it. I don't know, maybe it sort of seems, you know, it would have been fine if they had these gadgets at the time. It just seemed, having not seen the film, it seemed like a little trite. Having now seen the film, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Um, it's not a spy film in the way the other two are. It's more sort of an action war film. Mm. Um, and when they kept introducing historical characters, you got Cabrera Princip, you know, Lenin, uh, Rasputin. And then I, was, I was surprised how well it worked. Even the bit when they do have um, recreations of um, you know, people going over the top. And it's it's not sort of played for laughs. It's just horrific. And you pan back just to see just the scale of it. And you've got this montage of of sort of, the fields in Europe just being laid to waste and being piled high with the dead. Yeah, that that time lapse thing where they that, come yeah. is amazing. I, th- I thought it was really, yeah, um, quite effective. I thought it, it wasn't played for last, which I, I respect it. I thought it was, yeah. I, um, so 
that angle of it was much better than I feared it was going to be. Mm. Um, I think Ray Fiennes is one of the great lost bonds that you know we never had, oh, sure. um, and this I think he, he, he's really good throughout it. Uh, there were some moments of the film that I was quite surprised at, and there's one bit that I, I think I exclaimed, possibly with a swear, that was it that's in Tonks's leg. Oh uh, no, but that was awful. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the fact that Tom Hollander was playing the three heads of Europe. Or the, yes, I would. The three I royal would, heads. Yeah, because if you ever see photos of those people from that time, they do look pretty much identical, just wearing different mm. uniforms. So I, I like that. I liked the the the, the idea of a shadowy cabal. I um, I, I like seeing all the sort of the early Kingsman stuff, like the dagger in the shoe. I like the fact that they weren't an expert at everything; that a lot of it went wrong, and it was a kind of trial and error. Mm. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it much more than I thought I would. I don't think it's a spy film. I think it is more a war film or an, an, a, more an action film. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of strange because I think the first the first film was kind of it, it was it was giving us all the sort of sex and violence that we kind of almost expect from blockbusters, but taking it to this this level. This time, it it has a lot of violence, but a lot of it, as you said, it's not played for laughs. It's not like oh wow, this is super fun. It's harrowing a lot of it is like really genuinely quite powerful and i think the the war stuff and i think shit his son conrad yes yeah yeah his whole arc of of wanting to fight and 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 ray finds being like protective of him and then him eventually going and then sort of realizing that war fucking sucks I I kind of I like that and and as soon as they had the uh Dolce et decorum est perpetuo mori written on the thing I knew obviously that poem was going to come up okay That's the Wilfred Owen poem which I've always liked yeah um it, it is one of the most stinging criticisms of war uh in in poetry form and, and the way uh, he's looking at the king when he's reading it yeah, well, that's it. And you got Ray Fiennes. And if we know anything from our No Time to Die spoiler special, I like Ray Fiennes reading poetry. Like his line delivery, and I think three films really, oh, ones that sort of stick in my head. Rent free, as the kids say, for some reason. And but statistically, they're paying more rent than ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of them is from Harry Potter when he says, At a boy, Harry. Yeah. Uh, one of them is in, in Bruges when he calls his wife an inanimate effing object, but then... You're <laughs> an inanimate fucking object. But then I love the way he apologises. <laughs> I apologise for calling you an inanimate object. And yeah. um, my absolute favourite line of his is from uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel when when someone insults him and he goes, well, how's that meant to make me feel? Ray Fiennes is fucking fantastic and I love seeing him yeah. stuff. And, and yeah, he, I think he's he, he gives a properly textured performance in this i think he he plays it really straight really good and and yeah the the nods to the kingsman stuff you know the without it being too much i think yeah I think it's, the... it's nice it's nicely seasoned yeah well him 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 kind of uh the whole looking good and feeling good thing hmm. that's that's a nice little reference the sort of um yeah the, the blades in the shoe um all sorts like oxford's not well we're oxford's not oxford. rogues yes so yeah, that's that's all cool. It it kind of didn't have enough Kingsman stuff in it for me. I kind of, but not not like references to the other films or whatever. It's just it kind of wasn't fun for a lot of it, 
and and that's the yeah, point. Yeah. It's the whole war is hell thing, and and as I said, you know, having Dolce et Decorum Est being read out is, I mean, shit. You can't get much more anti-fun than that poem. But it's it's super weird how, like, and I found uh, Conrad's death spoilers uh, incredibly affecting. That was the one that I was genuinely surprised at. So in the first film, they, uh, Colin Firth says that it was set up by the heads of houses who'd lost sons, mm. lost family in the Great War. So I kind of expected it. When he was doing the run back through No Man's Land, I thought, oh, this is going to be it. And so I was very surprised he made it. And then the way he went out sort of being shot by somebody who knew he wasn't who he was pretending to yeah. be and called him a spy, I was genuinely surprised. And it's such a it's such a pointless death as well, and 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 that yeah, yeah. sort of adds to it, you know. And and I think that I th- yeah, and I think that is genuinely affecting. And there, you know, it does remind us that in real life there are lots of young men who pointlessly died. It's odd to me that that it kind of has that, and I can I can see that being you know it makes a hell of a point, but it's also like it's also kind of trying to have fun as well, and and it just feels like a bit bit of a tonal shift a tonal kind of problem uh because there were things that i mean the uh knife fight in no man's land yes to barely any music yeah it was interesting yeah well because because they can't make any noise because Mm. they'll be shot by both sides yeah and so they have this kind of damn near silent knife fight you know that's that's awesome it's just i kind of wanted to have more fun rather than being reminded of the horrors of war and maybe that's just me wanting to be indulged more. In some ways, I think it's a very 21st century view now of where we are, of a way of looking back at the past, that now I think we're not trying to glorify things, yeah. which I think if it was made 20, 30 years ago, it would have been. I just think, I mean, history always sort of goes in, um, the study of history always goes in kind of, not fashions, but I guess um, every few decades it kind of, you know, you've got revisionists and then post-revisionists and sort of, it's, it's constantly sort of changing where we are at the moment. I think we're, we're never, we're almost trying to, you know, if you're looking back at the past, you're almost trying to not to glorify it. So, so I was quite surprised at the beginning of the film when it starts off in a concentration camp and about how kind of, I'm very aware I'm about to sound quite Daily Mail, but how almost anti-British it was because, you know, the British did invent, uh, did invent, the concept of a concentration camp and it was used in South Africa. So all that felt kind of, I was almost surprised that it kind of went there. I mean, I was sort of impressed and pleased it went there because it, 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 it felt kind of, I guess, honest. Well, yeah. I mean, the fact that they have Kitchener who we tend to know as the, the guy and the, the dude yeah. with the funny mustache pointing at you from the poster, like the fact well, that, well, and the fact that he, you know, Signed so many people up to war, and that yeah, you know, he was Lord Kitchener's army. And he, I'm yeah. saying, in general, you talk at yes, I realized that I was getting round to the fact he was a bastard, I, but I was saying that the fact that popularly he's just oh, it, that's the guy from the poster, you know, he's he's the little poster boy, hmm. that sort of thing. And and yes, the fact that they they are way more critical of him, and and yes, as you said, the concentration camps and everything like that is yeah it does feel very a, a very modern take on the past which I, I think i think matthew vaughan must have been just reading some world war one history books or whatever and just thought i can tie this in 
And well, there's, there's so much sort of, um, so many sort of events in it that kind of play out. You, you know, you've got the assassination on Franz Ferdinand. Did they go uh, the wrong way in real life? Yeah, yeah. They did. It, it, I was, yeah, I just went, here's like most Cade, if they sort of went the wrong way down the street or whatever, that, that felt like a very strange detail. It's one of those sort of what-if moments in history that if it had gone down the right way, would World War I have happened? Yes. Yeah, they, they would They would have just found another excuse. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, I do feel the film definitely gets less fun once Rasputin is dealt with. I love the 1812 overture. I mean, uh, I know that I and I, I disagree which, you know, my opinion disagrees to that of a, a music house in Cardiff. Um, but I like the 1812 Overture. Yeah. It was used in Farscape a lot. I didn't know it was Reese Fans as Rasputin until I actually didn't watched it? the film. No, they did okay. a very good job of saying Reese Fans as, as a thing. And I think it's great. I think he, he plays a real, you know, because, and the thing is, they didn't go half into the madness of Rasputin. No. It, like he seems almost too cartoonish for this kind of movie. They actually dialed it down a bit. He was fucking mental. Well, that that was like um, in the film Valkyrie, where the guy that Tom Cruise is playing was sort of almost more action hero than they could put in the film. There's a bit <clears> where he refused morphine, and they couldn't. I think we've talked about this before, but they sort of cut it out because no one would believe it was accurate. They thought yeah. it was almost like Tom Cruise saying, "Don't give me morphine." Bullshit. Tom Cruise action thing, like I think it'd be really powerful if I refuse morphine. Yeah, and and yes, the the, the whole Rasputin fight I think is really really good. I the, did that you? Whole... Okay. Well, it just I felt I... it went on too long and it wasn't inventive enough. Yeah, possibly, but I liked I liked him having ballet moves for one. I liked I liked uh, the fact that it kind of went on for too long because the bastard refuses to die. <laughs> Yeah, well, that yeah, that was true, wasn't it? That's that very realistic. Yeah, because uh, man, it took a lot to kill him. You know, I learned uh, what about myself watching that scene. That you know when he that was horrible. <laughs> that you also get stuck with a full stomach and empty balls. They they make him a bagel tart to hide the taste of cyanide because it's almonds. It'd be quite easy to poison me because I like marzipan a lot. <sighs> yes, it probably would, and you'd probably eat it like Rasputin as well. No, very uncouth. But it, again, that sort of felt like the sort of fun element that was sort of missing for the rest. And I, I don't think the these the Scottish villain reveal really has any weight to it. No, when so he turns out to be Kitchener's uh, right hand man. When he the the Scottish guy at the beginning says about a model of the government, I thought, oh, okay, it was Kitchener's right hand man. That's yeah. why, and so I kind of assumed it was him, and then they had him sort of seemingly dying in the uh, Ebo explosion. So I, I kind of w- worked it out, and yeah, I, I didn't think he was still alive. So I guess that was kind of a surprise, but yeah, it did feel a bit okay then. Mm. I didn't think he had a point, by the way. Just to, are you sure? Yes, yeah, two out of three. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I thought the sort of cliffside thing. I also think the picture of the, uh, the place where they get Kashmir, and then going through the picture into the real thing. I thought that was really well handled. Yeah, I, I liked how the um, the Kingsman Taylor shot was useful even before it was a front for the spy agency. Yeah, it was just a private place to chat. Yeah, and, um, and, the, and the people there were experts in tailoring. Yeah. Yes, that wall comes from here. Oh, and can I say I think. Uh, 
Gemma Arterton in this is really, really good as well. Poppy. Mm. Yes. Her name's Poppy as well, isn't it? Polly. Polly. Right, Polly. Yeah, I was going to say, because that's, that's a bit confusing. But it's not confusing. I just confused it. Yeah, she she is really, really good. Mm. And gets way more to do in this film than she did in an actual Bond film. Yes, yeah. So hooray for that. Do you think that's what the rest of the franchise should be? It's just them casting sort of uh, Bond women who were sort of wasted in the role. Yeah, 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 for sure. I was kind of on board. I wasn't bored at any point, which is, that's always a problem when I kind of go, oh God, just just hurry up and get to the final showdown type deal. It wasn't wasn't that, but... You can't say that after releasing four episodes of our X-Men. But I wasn't bored. Well, I was bored doing some of them. <laughs> Why are you always talking this podcast down? We you just, it's brilliant. This is the best we can do, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> as I said, it, it just, it wasn't as much fun as I wanted, but I wasn't bored. And I think that the final thing with the sort of uh, goats and, the, is it goats or sheep? There were goats. There were goats. That's what I thought. Like his sort of animal cruelty coming back. I'm going to isolate that bit as a sound thing before you say coming back. I like his animal cruelty. I just love it. <laughs> Have I told you about my... Um, when I was like, I don't know, seven or eight, we went to visit a farm, like one of those petting farm type things. Mm. And there's a shed with goats in. And we all went in and there's a little goat there that just headbutted me straight away. <laughs> and huge, huge fan of the scope. I... Uh, sort of went out upset because you know I was young. And my mum came out and said, "It's fine. You won't do it again." I went back in, and he did it straight away again. <laughs> uh, I'm laughing at your childhood trauma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah even now, I don't, I don't like them. Don't trust them. They do have scary eyes. It's their square. Mm. That's why. Yeah, we. That's why yeah. they're weird. It's creepy. But uh, yeah, no, so I, I like that. But um, yeah, and I don't like the sort of thing. It, this sort of ties into the second one as well. There's something that didn't sit right with me in the second one. Remember when uh, Eggsy has Charlie on the floor and he says, this is for, you know, he reels off a bunch of names and JB and then just callously breaks his neck. Like, I know he's a bad dude, but murdering someone in cold blood is kind of... Was it cold blood? Because he was sort of trying to kill him. I guess, but he had him. He had him neutralized. I suppose it wasn't gentlemanly, but then I don't know because he was trying. And also, he he came back last time, so surely he'd just come back again. Maybe he will. I guess I just didn't like him breaking his neck. That being like a thing, and and the, yeah, they have that once. Once uh, Conrad helps Ray finds who still doesn't have any trousers on. Uh, defeat Rasputin. He's like, now you're a man, almost because you like killed someone and saved my life. Okay, I, I think it just had a very, a very strange kind of thing. Not intentional. I don't think it is intentional. But I, I found those two things especially. Maybe it's because I watched them pretty much back to back. Hmm. Um, Not fair enough. That that's it, and it, it especially especially uh, greats in the in uh, the Golden Circle. In this one, there's just like an echo of it, which I didn't appreciate. I didn't pick up on it either, either time, to be honest. Oh, it's because you're a psychopath and you empathise with the villains. You probably thought that was a really sad moment. Yeah, the King's Man was not what I expected. It wasn't what I expected, but in a good way. Yeah, I, I, I 
didn't hate it. I I I quite liked it, but I just and I I like the connective tissue between the two things. The thing I don't understand though is like, so it's King George kind of funding the whole. So how are they an independent government thing? If he's if he's funding the thing to begin with, he wasn't. It wasn't just him funding it. It was quite a few of them funding. It, I thought he was just a member. But how are they independent from government then? Because he is the government. Yeah, but I guess they'd let him. But I mean, well, yeah, I suppose so. But I suppose there's always meant to be like a class element in in, in the organisation anyway. I guess. So there's there's always going to be some sort of connections. Yeah, I. But I, I, I kind of got the way he sort of sat at the table was almost that he was not quite there in disguise, but wasn't there as the king. I don't know enough about Arthurian legend to know. Like, I assume there's some kind of re- relevance with why everyone is called each name. So I, I don't know enough about that character to know. Oh, but they they have the whole thing uh, that you know they had a round table because everyone was equal and everyone could look at each other, but they don't have a round table. If they had yeah. a round table, that makes sense. With yeah. the King's Man on it. So yeah, the, the King's Man is not what it's expected, but it has one of the most ludicrous mid-credit stingers I've ever seen. And I'm kind of here for it. Did you catch the stinger? I, I, I didn't. I, you, I, I only realised there was one when I was reading about it earlier. I turned it off before, before I got to it. So it's Lenin. <laughs> And it was like, and it was almost—it's almost like the anti-Avengers type thing. It's like Lenin, meet this guy, Adolf Hitler. Oh, because there's a bit here in the film where Lenin says about um, that. Oh no, he doesn't say it, but the the, the it, because of it, there needs to be a balance from the right because of the left. Yeah, I assumed it was going that way. Yeah, but yes, I, and I'm ashamed of myself, but I kind of want to see that. I want to see the King's Man too, the rise of Hitler. <laughs> I um I I'd like I, yeah, I guess if we are sort of skipping ahead to if you have franchise fatigue in terms of franchise fatigue I absolutely don't I'd I'd happily see sequels to both Kingsman and the Kingsman I would as well um, there is a third film in development which I thought would be kind of brushed under the carpet with the Disney Fox acquisition is the Kingsman the Blue Blood is I think apparently being released filmed later this year released next year. And that's going to be the conclusion of the Harry Hart and Exeter relationship. Right. There is going to be a TV series called uh, based on The Statesman, which is going okay. to, which might be a Disney Plus type deal. Um, which is which uh, um, Matthew Vaughan mentioned as late as December last year that it's, be, that it's being developed as a television series. Hmm. Um, which which I guess is is not. I'm always a bit wary when it's like, oh yeah, it was mentioned like sort of five years ago. So the fact yeah. that it was sort of mentioned last year, so maybe, and this is post the Disney Fox acquisition. And Matthew Vaughan says that it, there could be a sequel to The King's Man if, if, if the public demands for it, that he'd like to see Ralph Fiennes and Aaron Taylor-Johnson. I didn't realise it was Aaron, Aaron Taylor-Johnson. Yeah, I never realised it's Aaron Taylor-Johnson. <laughs> it's only Kick-Ass and um, Avengers that I... Recognize him apart from that, like he was in a uh, tenant, wasn't he? But yeah, and Godzilla. Oh, yeah, that mm. you sort of want to see the sort of the four characters again. But I would quite like to see the the continuing adventures of Channing Tatum in a bowler hat, yes. So I'd like to see sequels to both, yeah, because hopefully, if they go, you know, if it will, 
you know, the, whether the Kingsman has the Statesman film, because I guess they're kind of working together at the end. Yes. Well, yeah, the Kingsman is is like uh, they're brothers now. They're not just yeah. cousins; they're brothers. Yeah. So, so it's more of a more of a global organization. So, yeah, I mean, I I could I could see it. Like, there are certain things where where they you know the, the creators always enthusiastically, perhaps over enthusiastically, say, "Oh, we're going to broaden out the universe, or whatever." I think the Kingsman universe is ripe for it. Uh, yeah, I'd like to see more Statesman stuff and more Kingsman stuff. So. You know, setting it all in the Kingsman universe, hmm. I'm fine with. Did you see a couple of years ago there was a crossover with Archer? I, I I have, yeah. They did that to promote the second movie, I think. Yes, it was for the second movie, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah I enjoyed that, that. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, well, I fucking love Archer. No, that, that is worth watching. If you haven't seen it, people at home who aren't Rob, can't believe I have to clarify that every time now. <laughs> To answer the ultimate question, I don't have franchise fatigue. I would, I would eagerly see more. I, I think, I think they've got a good, a good base for many, many stories. I just hope that they're less dumb than the second one, and sort of a bit more dumb than the third one or the prequel. That's what I would just, just that, that's that sweet little little spot. Isn't that what you didn't like about the second one? No, I was saying that they went too far with some of okay. the things and and not far enough with the kind of things it did the fact that he didn't know where to fall yes it, that would technically end up middling but um but that's not what i mean and i feel you know that you just want to make me look stupid on a podcast which isn't hard to do uh, this was an this was an interesting one because i i i was kind of yeah i, I was uh definitely wrong-footed by the king's man and hmm. I, I had to do very well at the box office because of the pandemic and everything else because um, it came out onto disney really quickly yeah. which is never a great sign these days no no um but then you know, it could be sort of pandemic related. i'm sure it is pandemic related as well i think possibly for me because uh, maybe because of the, the the reviews i was expecting to be much worse than it was and, and i was quite surprised by how much i enjoyed it but I then maybe I... that's because i, I was kind of uh, my expectations were quite low. Yes, well, that tends to... Lowering your expectations before you see a movie it actually works wonders a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's um, happened in reverse where I've had really high expectations. Yeah. And it's a dark night for me. I had really high expectations and it was only sort of watching it a year later or so that I, it kind of met them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there have happened films that have kind of met my expectations. Oh yeah, and and surpassed them. But it's just sometimes you do have these high expectations for something, and you built it up in your brain, and you yeah. don't see it. And, and it, 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 I always find it ridiculously disappointing. Like just, I always feel like just deflated afterwards. There are sometimes um, where I've had like low expectations, and they've not even been met. For... Yes, yes. <laughs> I, you know, you've signed up for the punch in the face, but you weren't expecting the seven kicks of the balls hmm. as well. Uh, that yeah, the, the Transformers franchise comes to mind. Um, oh, that wasn't the franchise that came to mind for me, but I'm not allowed to mention it anymore. Oh fuck! Yeah, no, you're not. You were absolutely banned. So, uh, popcorn bucket podcast bucket list. I think for me, it's the first one first, then the King's Man, and then Golden Circle. I went into this. I'd sort of decided I was going to be one, two, three. But having talked about it, I think I do actually prefer 
the third one a lot more. I don't dislike the second one as much as you, so I kind of feel like I'm dumbing it down to your level. But, um, <laughs> that's, that's firstly dumbing it down to my level. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> secondly, you always say I don't think I hate it as much as you did. I think that the Kingsman has more to say than the the sort of frippery of the second one. I think the Kingsman sort of thematically is actually more in line with the first one than the second one is. So yeah, and and you would agree with me. This is the thing. It's unanimous. The the official popcorn bucket podcast order of the Kingsman film is preferred order is Secret uh, Kingsman the Secret Circle huh. Secret Service followed by the Kingsman followed by the Golden Compass. I know you said it wrong on purpose, but I'm... I did. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree because it's my opinion and it's right. Well, it's our opinion, but often we have sort of like we don't. You have a much larger gap between your oh, ones than yeah. mine. If we were analysing the gap between the Kingsman and, and the uh, the Golden Circle, I, I think I, I think there would definitely be a uh, gulf of difference. Brilliant. We actually got a second franchise done this year. Can you believe it? And granted, it was only three movies, but we still did it. <laughs> Next time, something completely different. Cool. Okay. All right, then. Well, thank you very much, everyone. That's it for this week. Thank you very much for your time, and thank you very much for listening. We'd love to have your feedback on this franchise or any suggestions you'd like us to see in the future. Please email podcast at thepopcornbucket.com. You can find us on Instagram at popcornbucketpod or over on Twitter at popcornbucketpd or on www.thepopcornbucket.com. If you're able to, it'd be great if you can rate the episode wherever you listen to your podcast and subscribe and share. Thank you so much to Lawrence Owen of longcatmedia.com for the theme music. Many thanks, take care, and see you next episode. Manners maketh man. Manners maketh Ben. Spanners maketh spam. Thanks, everyone.